Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney Kevin Tharp and Financial Advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. What's your retirement plan and elder law have in common? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, first let me define for our listeners what is elder law. It is an area of specialty in the law. You can get certifications from it. You can get advanced certifications from it. Uh, everything from CELA to a, a CAP, Certified Advanced Practitioner in Elder Law, and and uh, uh, many of those designations I have pursued and, and gotten. Uh, but the best experience or the best certification is experience. And I've been doing this for 35 years. And here's what I focus on as an elder law attorney, and that is preparing my clients for long-term care. Or more specifically, as an elder law attorney, I help my clients plan and prepare for what's going to happen to their assets if they get sick before they die. Mm. And that sick doesn't mean they get a disease, but it's incapacity. It's the inability to make decisions without assistance or help, the inability to do many of the activities of daily living without assistance. And there's different levels of incapacity. There's different levels where these needs come in from the very extreme in where my mother was a number of years ago, and I've seen many of my clients in that situation where they can't do anything to, you know, mild incapacity where, you know, because of uh, they're recovering from a surgery mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, having surgery at 80 years old is much different than having surgery at 48 years mm-hmm. of age or 60 years of age. It has a different impact on you. And so sometimes there's, uh, things slow down for you. And uh, it's like uh, Missy said one time, she says, my processor's just slowing down. And she was referring to me, not her, <laughs> of course. And that's true. We just It takes us time to process things a lot longer uh, time than it did when we were younger. So as an elder law attorney, I help my clients prepare for that. And many times where they're facing that or seeing that is right at the beginning of their retirement plan or right in the middle of their retirement plan or right before their retirement plan. I know my mother and father-in-law face long-term care head on, literally right on the cusp of their retirement. And it wasn't their long-term care, but it was their parents' long-term care. Um, Cause you see a lot of people that are in, you know, become empty nesters and they're in between generation. Missy and I are in the very early stages of that. And that's when you start looking at, okay, well, I'm slowing down and retirement's not that far off. And so you're starting to make those decisions, but you're dealing with long-term care and it might be for your aging parents. And I know you've said on this show a number of times how that can be a red flag. That can be something that can derail uh, a, a retirement plan if you're not prepared for it. So what does what I do as an elder law attorney have in common with what you do? What's the connection there? And the first connection, Gary, is the type of assets that we deal with. Type of asset is the number one thing that prepares us for long-term care. That is one thing uh, that when you focus on that thing and understand that type of asset 
uh, gives you protection. Yeah, I know you've heard you talked about there are certain types of assets that are set up for generating income better than others. But all assets with certain things uh, can generate income, even your home. You can rent your home and generate income. So uh, all of those are important factors. So type of asset is important in your industry, but it's also real important in my industry as an elder law attorney because you know you'll be prepared. You'll know the answer to this question. What's going to happen to my home if I get sick before I die? And even more importantly, what's going to happen to my home if I go into a nursing home? And by understanding what type of, ass, type of assets determine protection, then it's going to give you a little bit of peace of mind of knowing you're not going to have to take some radical steps that will radically affect and alter your estate plan if you or your loved one experiences long-term care, including going into a nursing home. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. And Kevin, um, this is something that it, I've seen people experience as far as planning with you goes. They have a lot of questions when they first go into your into your meeting room and you have a conversation with them for an hour, a consultation. And I know even after that hour consultation, most of the time they are feeling better about things. Have they done anything yet? No, but they are starting to see what their condition is, Mm -hmm. what's going on in their lives. You're starting to show them there are things you can do to improve this and make yourself more confident with what happens from this point forward. Inevitably, Gary, and I'm not criticizing your industry or my industry or others that do a lot of what we do, but my experience has shown that there is no connection between most retirement plan advisors and estate planning or elder law attorneys. There's mm-hmm. no connection. It's like, well, what you do is different than what I do. And our both of our industries look at it that way. Oh, well, that's Gary stuff. I don't have anything to do with that. Hey, you better oh, talk to your financial guy about oh, that. that. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, that's the, you know, that get, have a will. You need to go talk to that guy. And sometimes we refer back and forth, but mm-hmm. there's still not that connection. Sometimes, you know, we, uh, I know financial advisors, retirement plans, they'll say, oh, we have attorneys on staff that we refer people to. And they create a document and there's no connection between what financial advisors doing and what that attorney's doing. There's no connection. So they're running parallel. They're never There's never any connection. And so I think one of the connections should ought to be and the client ought to be asking about this connection is, is there any focus or talk on the type of asset? Because that determines whether you're prepared or need to take any extra steps to be prepared for long-term care. Is you don't have to worry about losing your home if you go into a nursing home. Because your home is the type of asset that is protected if you go into a nursing home. Now, there may be other stages in long-term care where you might need your home. In fact, your home might be your primary asset that you need because you can't live at home anymore for practical purposes or medical purposes. Uh, And so you want to sell your home. And this is where the next elder law principle, this is a bedrock principle, just like type of asset determines protection. It's universal across every state and across every elder law attorney. Type of asset determines protection. Focus on that first. Here's the second thing. 
keep ownership. This is another disconnection between our industry is that people want to use their home to help finance their care. It doesn't make any sense to live in a big home. I know my in-laws are in the process of selling their home, not because they have to, but because they want to. They don't want to keep up a big house that they've lived in for over 50 years and keep up the yard and the maintenance and everything else. And so they want to go to a different environment, a different setting, because they're at a different stage in their life. So you ought to be able to sell your home when you need to and you want to. But here's the thing. If you put your home in an irrevocable trust, thinking you're going to protect it, you need to do that. Or if you put your home in your kids' names, you've given up ownership, you've lost access, you can't sell your home when you need to. You've got to get your kids' permission in order to do it. So the connection between our industries ought to be, we both ought to be advising and counseling our clients, don't put your kids' names on things. Don't go put things in an irrevocable trust if you want to protect things. Keep ownership of things, and you have that connection now that allows you to use your assets the way you want them to, to take care of you, especially when it comes to long-term care. I found that to be one of the most common mistakes that people make is they give up ownership thinking they're going to protect things when in reality the opposite just happens. Kevin, it deserves a conversation. Give people your information so they can give you a call. My website, kevintharp.com. Next up, how long do you think your retirement's going to last? How long do you think your retirement's going to last? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Gary, I hope it's a long time. Because in retirement, I hope I have lots of grandkids. And of course, Callie has to be 45 before she can start dating, so she'll have to catch up real fast. But she'll be able to do that, I'm sure. And that's at least 30 years away, so... (laughs) Longevity is something that, unfortunately, people dismiss quite often when it comes to retirement. Dismissing longevity's impact on your retirement. Um, I have this conversation all the time with people naturally because it's good to know what people's background is, what their ancestors, what their relatives, how they've aged through the years, how long they lived. But it's not the only thing that that uh, tells you how long you're going to live. We don't really know. But a lot of times people dismiss longevity by saying, yeah, my mama didn't live past 75. Uh, my dad didn't live past 68. So, And then my aunt didn't live in. She died when she was 58, things like that. And so I don't think I'm going to live long either. That's what people will say. So I don't really have to plan on being retired for 25, 30, 35 years because I'm probably going to go away before that. Well, the key word there is probably. You're not, there's a good chance that you could live way, way longer than anybody else in your background. And we have to count on longevity when it comes to a retirement plan. When we're putting this financial plan together for you, we can't just assume that you're going to be gone in 10 years. We don't know. 
And I've seen people who were perfectly healthy who you thought, oh, this people, and, and had maybe parents who lived well into their 90s, oh, God, these people live to be 100 years old. I just know they will. But then something happens, and they don't. And so we don't know either way, but one thing we better be planning on is to go ahead and decide that you could be here for a long time. You and or your spouse could be here a long time because we need to fit that into create the financial plan to address either one or both of you living a very long time because it can happen. If you're 65 years old right now, there's a very, very good possibility you're going to live to be 85. If you're 65, your life expectancy really is 85 years old right now for most people. So think about that. That's already 20 years. If you're going to retire at 65 or you did retire at 65, then go ahead and assume that you're going to be 85 at least before you die. It might not happen. Could it happen either way? We don't know. But what we do know is that we don't want you to run out of money if you're 88 years old and just because you assume you'd only live to 85. If you're 65 years old right now, one out of every three people who are 65 are going to live to be 90 years old, Kevin. So that tells you that people are living longer. And, um, you know, one out of seven people actually will live to be 95. So let's not discount that longevity could be a part of your future or your spouse's future. Sometimes you know that you're not going to live long because there's some ailment, there's some disease maybe that you have, some disorder. That's one thing. But even then, there's a good chance you're not planning for one retirement. You're planning for two retirements that you and your spouse. So let's keep that in perspective because we don't really know. I have one client who told me uh, 15 years ago, Gary, I'm not going to live past 67. (laughs) And I said, well, you know, you don't mean to pry, but sometimes you need to kind of know. And uh, I said, well, why is that? She said, just trust me. I I know I'm not going to live past 67. I know that's, you know, going to be pretty much it for me. So she never did tell me why. And uh, I'll tell you, as of right now, last time I checked, She's 77, and she's still going strong. So if I had taken her word for it in a a financial plan for retirement, she would be dead broke now at 77 because I took her word that she wasn't going to live that long. So let's make sure the plan addresses whatever can happen. If you're going to live a long time, if you think or not you're going to live a long time, it still needs to be in the plan. We're talking about longevity and what happens if you live longer than you think. And I'm sure that, and, and Gary, I think we have to take in the context of the environment and time that we were, that we were in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, back in the, when the Social Security first started, for example, due to the environment and due to the social conditions and, and medical technology at that time, living to be 55 was considered today what would be 85. That's right. And so that's why a lot of the retirement was based on, well, most people are going to retire at 50 and they'll die at 55 or maybe 60. You know, 60 back then was like 90 is today. But you think about the context of back in the day, I'm I'm sure that conversation between Moses and Methuselah is like, who would have thought I'd live 300 (laughs) years? And there they are for 300 years. And that's a whole new set of issues to live that long. But we do live longer. Right. We, we are do. living longer. 
And I, people are realizing this, but sometimes I think, Kevin, it's just easier to dismiss, oh, well, I won't live that long. And you plan accordingly. Well, that's not a good way to plan because you're probably not going to, you're probably going to live longer than you think you are unless there's some hidden circumstance there somewhere. So we have to be ready for that. And when we put together a plan, what the plan should include is exactly when your retirement paychecks will start from your retirement plans because you're going to stop working. You won't get the paycheck from work anymore. But your retirement plan, your Social Security, and your retirement plan will create income for you. That's the plan. That's what you want to make sure you're doing is providing for income to replace that paycheck. So we have to know when your retirement paychecks will start, these paychecks you're going to create for yourself. Well, also, exactly which part of your retirement assets those paychecks will come from, including Social Security. That's a big element of our overall retirement income is Social Security, but then you have other sources. And a lot of times choosing the right sources or a blend of those right sources to create income is very important when it comes to things like taxes. We have to know how long those paychecks are going to last. That's where this longevity comes in. We want to make sure the paychecks last for at least as long as you're going to be here. That's important. And then, you know, finally, we want to make sure that your, grow, the, your, your account and your paycheck is growing over the years to address inflation. So all that, this income, is part of your overall retirement financial plan. It's a very important part. We don't want to discount the fact that we could, we and or our spouses can live a long time. So if you, if you have any idea right now that whether you might live a short time or a long time in retirement, you have the same issue going on. If you haven't addressed this possibility either direction in your retirement financial plan, then it's time you did it. And this is one thing that we like to help people do. Talk to your advisor. If you don't have an advisor, talk to us about it. We'll be, we'll be happy for you to come in and have a conversation about it. Sometimes when you leave, you feel better about it already just because you know, you, you, you do have an idea of how things can possibly turn out for you. Those are observations we can even make a lot of times during a, an initial consultation just to get an idea of where you are, where you might go, and make sure that your money is going to be there for as long as you're there. And then you don't have this uncertainty out there. You're not worried about money and income during retirement if you've developed this plan. That's what our job is. That's what we want to help people do. And we like to see those plans through. Another thing that we have to include, too, as far as Social Security, is the fact that Social Security system could go broke. A lot of times people will start taking Social Security early because they think the Social Security system is going to go broke. I'll tell you right now, as a part of your overall retirement income plan, don't make that assumption. And that's something I'll get into a little bit later. Gary, how can our listeners have a plan to make sure they don't outlive their money? Kevin, they can call us at 888-371-2847, Anderson Advisors. In the next segment, we're going to talk about how one thing leads to another. One thing leads to another. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. 
Gary, there are many times we can make a decision on one thing that has an impact on several other things that follow. Uh, and we see this a lot in estate planning. We see this a lot in elder law and asset protection. And so let's talk about a couple of that one thing uh, in estate planning that affects everything else. One thing that leads to another in estate planning, and that is title. One thing leads to another. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, there are many times we can make a decision on one thing that has an impact on several other things that follow. Uh, and we see this a lot in estate planning. We see this a lot in elder law and asset protection. And so let's talk about a couple of that one thing. Uh, in estate planning that affects everything else. One thing that leads to another in estate planning, and that is title. Title of asset is like the law of title is like the law of gravity. It's one thing that is consistent. It will affect everything else. My clients have told me, on a, I've heard this on a regular basis. My staff hears it on a regular basis to the point where they roll their eyes at some point. Uh, if you've listened to this radio show more than once, you've heard me say title means everything. And the reason I keep talking about that is because it's not talked about in most other circles, uh, including my professional circles, mm -hmm. because it's the one thing that really determines everything. Now, you talk to most other attorneys, you talk to most other attorneys that are estate planning attorneys, and you post, present this question to them. And it may not be exactly like this, but you, you'll get the gist of it. But uh, what happens to my assets when I die? I would say, venture to say that nine out of the 10 attorneys in this area will tell you, oh, get a document, get a will. That determines the outcome of everything. You've got a plan if you have a will. It's all done. It's all done. Get it updated if you need to. Uh, there's even attorneys that say if you live in one state and you move here to Georgia that you got to get a new will done because uh, it may not comply with Georgia law. Same thing with powers of attorney. And, Gary, that all of that focus is on the wrong thing. Because if you change your documents, you could change your documents 100 times. You could move from Florida to Georgia and, you know, follow the advice, oh, your document you did in Florida is no good. You got to do a new one, which is absolutely incorrect. There are statutes, state statutes that says here in Georgia, state laws that say if your will or power of attorney complies with the laws in the state where you first set it up. So if you lived in Florida and your power of attorney or will complies with Florida law, it's still good here in Georgia. You do not have to get it updated. It doesn't automatically become invalid once you cross state lines. 
But if you do that one thing and you change all of your documents and you don't have, there's no discussion at all about coordinating that document with the title of your assets, you've really done one thing that leads to another. And you know what the other things are? Probate. You know what the other things are? No asset protection for your beneficiaries. You know what the worst thing is? You paid money for a legal document you're probably not going to need because title can end up negating or making that document unnecessary. So before you spend thousands of dollars on a document, ask the person who's recommending the document, what about title? How does title affect things? If you're a married couple and you've just purchased a home or you own a home and you're talking with a lawyer about a will. So how is my beneficiary designation on my IRA or life insurance going to be affected by this will? How's my will going to be uh, affect the other? Gary, there's absolutely no way they cannot answer that question by saying, oh, well, your will's going to be negated by the beneficiary designation. If you have your wife as beneficiary uh, of your retirement account, it doesn't matter who your beneficiary of your will is. She's getting that retirement account because the law of title trumps the document when they're not coordinated together. And one of the reasons I enjoy doing this radio show is getting information out there to people. And that's one bit of information that so many people are surprised when they spend so much effort and time on a document only to come to find out that the title of their assets has made that document unnecessary. And I think is if you call yourself an estate planning professional, if you call yourself an estate planning lawyer, title is something that you must discuss with your clients because it means everything. It's that one thing that can lead to all kinds of other things. You're listening to Truth and Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. And my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney today, is talking about title. Kevin, people do overlook that all the time. They don't understand the significance of how something is titled, the ownership of something. And ownership is really is. It's, it's everything when it comes to what's going to happen to these things down the line somewhere. Why is this minimized so much? Why don't people understand this more? Why don't professionals have a better grip on this because professionals have a tendency to focus on they keep up they're not they're down on what they're not up on and so it's easier i think for the professional to just provide the client with a document because that's what they understand and the document they understand is a will and i think that's where a majority of it comes from is they are recommending what they're comfortable with They're not real comfortable with doing a trust. They're not willing to take the extra steps, i.e. time, to spend with the client and show them how to title their assets in coordination with their trust. So just give them a document. One lawyer I practiced with for a long time, he said, Kevin, the best file is a closed file. And he prided himself on opening and closing a file. He prided himself on doing a one-page will because he said that's the best thing you could do for the client is do a one-page will, open the file, and close the file, and move on to the next thing. It's done, and you're done. Okay. Well, I don't think that's a good, I'll be honest with you, a great service to the (laughs) client because you're not doing anything for them. They're coming to you for your advice and helping them fix the problem. 
And in tribute to our wonderful producer and extraordinaire Bill Wilson here, he pointed me out to me that there is a song that one thing leads to another, and it's by a group called The Fix. Mm-hmm. So in tribute to them, I'm going to give you The Fix on how you can keep <laughs> this one thing from leading to other things. Okay? Instead of choosing a document and being done with it, choose a document that you can title your assets in coordination with and that document is a trust it's a living trust okay now we particularly recommend a specific type of trust that's going to connect to what we're going to talk about in the next segment when it comes to one thing that leads to another in elder law and that is you want to keep ownership and that's why we recommend a revocable living trust because a revocable living trust means you can change it as life circumstances change. But it's a living trust that takes effect rather at your death. It takes effect while you're living. So the law of title says, well, you can title things in coordination with that trust. You can make your trust the owner of your home. And because it's a revocable trust, you don't give up legal ownership. So you can do with your stuff whatever you want. Sell your house if you want to. Because it's set up while you're living, because it takes effect while you're living, a revocable living trust is a valid beneficiary designation. You can't make your will the beneficiary of your retirement account and life insurance policy. Why? Because it doesn't. it's not in effect yet. It's not a living entity like a trust is. So that's why we like using a revocable living trust. Because when you choose a revocable living trust, the next thing... You choose that one thing. The next thing it's going to lead to is you've got to talk about titling. You've got to talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room because title means everything. It's going to dictate what happens when you die. It's going to answer that question. It's going to complete your estate plan. You know exactly what's going to happen to your assets when you die because you have a complete estate plan. You have wishes in a document and title coordinated with that document you have a complete estate plan. There will be no probate when you die. You'll have access and ownership while you're living, and it'll protect your beneficiaries as well. Kevin, why don't you give people your information so they can come in and have this conversation about title with you? Gary, the best way to reach me is through my website, kevintharp.com. When are you going to take Social Security? That's coming up next. When to take Social Security. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I thought the answer for that was when I'm old. Well, yeah, Kevin, that is true because that's part of the title of Social Security, old age. Retirement Security yeah. Act or something like that. So, yeah. so one day when I get there, about 10 or 15 years, maybe that's when I'll take Social Well, exactly. You're right. It's going to be a while yet, so don't worry about it. Missy will never get there. <laughs> that's that's a true. We absolutely know that for a fact. Um, but Kevin, Social Security, Social Security was came about in 1936. Franklin Roosevelt was the president, and um, they he was the one who initiated the concept of Social Security for the first time. I think, as far as well, I can't say that because actually a relative of his, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, even had mentioned that and had talked about that at one time. But Franklin Roosevelt was the one who pushed it all through. The one age that we thought about at that particular time was age 65. That was your 
full retirement age was 65. Why did they come up with that number? Well, because there was a good chance nobody was going to live. No, not many people were going to live to be 65 years old. That was being an old person at the time, see? And so you're, you're kind of right when it comes to when well, you're going to get Social Security when I'm old. Well, that was the design of it. 65 years old being pretty old back then. People didn't live that long. Some people did naturally, but as a rule, that was a, that was a pretty good bet that a lot of people would never even have to start or would ever even draw Social Security checks because they would, they would die before they got it. So there was a balance there. That's how they came up with Social Security in of itself and the way payments are made is based on life expectancy. And you could actually even then start at age 62, early Social Security age, but 65 was it. I think it's ironic that Franklin Roosevelt, even at that time, he died at age 63. So even if he had been in a position to get Social Security at age 65, he never drew any Social Security. The President of the United States, the person who came up with this whole idea, didn't even live that long. So that proves that, you know, that was pretty much life expectancy back then. You call that irony, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there is irony there. But think about it now. Years and years later, 85, 86 years old is our life expectancy now. In general, that's where we can pretty much count on most people living to, or a good percentage. So at 85 years old, you know, you you started drawing Social Security, and let's say you started at age 62, and now you're 85. Really, what you've done then, you started taking Social Security early. Sometimes people, like I was saying earlier, well, I don't know if the system's going to be there. Social Security's going to be broke, so I'm going to start taking it now because there's not going to be anything left when I get older anyway. Well, don't don't assume that because Social Security is a big part of your overall retirement. The longer you can wait to start taking it, the more money it's going to be. So if you're still working for one thing, and this is just very general, Kevin. This is general advice. Some people have situations where they need to start taking earlier. But if you're still working at age 62 and you still don't really have any plans to retire, or even 65 or 66 or 67, because that's what the full retirement age is coming to now, then don't start taking the money then. You're still working. It can cost you more in taxes if you do that. It can cost you even from, if you're full retirement age, Medicare, your taxes on Medicare are going to go up. So those type of things come into play. And wait, because if you can wait until you're 66, 67, or maybe even better till age 70, you're going to have some nice big increases in the amount of Social Security that you can take. A very, very big difference. We're talking about 7% a year at minimum. Could be more than that. For instance, this past year, everybody had a 9% increase in their Social Security. That's a 9% pay raise. So even... Seven year the seven the seven um, year rule doesn't even come into play. The seven percent a year doesn't. It was even more than that. So let's not make assumptions that Social Security is going to go broke and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Start taking Social Security too early when it's not really going to help you address your needs twenty years from now. Let's wait and for as long as we can. In general, Kevin, sometimes it's something that some people can do. Sometimes you can't. You have to start taking earlier for some reason. But that deserves a conversation, and the conversation needs to come in conjunction 
with your overall financial retirement plan, that's what we like to do. Getting old is not necessarily when you take Social Security. That's the topic that we're talking about today on Truth and Planning, and I'm with my co-host, Gary Anderson, financial advisor. And there's three people in the room, and I would say that uh, two out of the three are not old. We'll let you do the math and figure out which one of those three uh, well, aren't and which one is are. Well, now, Kevin, white hair doesn't always mean you're the oldest one in the room. However, it applies in this particular case. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You radio listeners can't see, but there's only one of us that has white hair pretty much than the <laughs> Pretty others. much all of it's white hair now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin, white hair does mean something. Sometimes it, it, people have always said, well, it just shows wisdom. I'm not sure about that. But one thing I have not done is start to, started drawing Social Security, number number one, because I don't plan on retiring anytime in the foreseeable future. But number two, I can wait. What is it, why is it important that I wait for Social Security? Wait as long as I can. Wait till age 70. I hope they take it up to age 72. I wish they would. It's probably not going to happen. Well, I have to think about Betsy, my wife. She's a retired school teacher. She has a good pension. She gets increases every year with that. She has Social Security, some of it. She doesn't get all of it because of something called the windfall provision, which if you don't know about that, give us a call because it's something you need to know about if you're getting a pension, especially a public pension. So that's something to think about there. She will have more income if something happens to me first. If I die first, she'll have a lot more Social Security income than she has now or will have at that point in time because I waited, and she's going to get the benefit of that. It's almost like an insurance policy for her because it adds to her income, which she's probably going to need when I pass away first. We assume that. I don't know. Will I pass away before she does? Will I die before Betsy? I don't know. But we want to plan on that. We want to plan that. That needs to be a part of our overall financial plan. How do you know this? How do you answer this question about when you're going to take it? Answer questions about whether or not Social Security is going to go broke? That's a conversation you need to have. That's why we plan. That's why we put together financial plans for retirement. And Kevin, this is one of the easiest things that people can do. But I think a lot of times it's been made more difficult by the lack of education out there. We on this show, like you had said earlier, Kevin, we enjoy putting information out there. It gives you something to think about. Sometimes it gives you things that you know you might need to act on. That's part of the overall plan. A plan does not have to be difficult. It does not have to be a 45-page plan. We're not impressing anybody as a financial advisor if we put together a 45-page financial retirement plan, which I've seen advisors do. How many times is somebody going to look at that? How many times are they going to look over this plan over the years when it's 45 pages? Well, if you're like me, it's a doorstop, so you see it every time you go in exactly. and out of the door. Yeah. But other than that. <laughs> exactly. Use it for a, you know to keep the crows away or something, but outside of that, nobody's going to look at it. Therefore, they won't follow it. So let's have a simple, concise financial plan that you can follow. And then, like I had said in earlier shows, different routes. Sometimes you have to take a different route than you'd plan, but you're building that into the overall scenario. So make sure that you're covering things. But at least start with the conversation. Start with a conversation about your retirement. 
if you haven't started taking Social Security yet, but you're getting close to that age, that deserves a conversation because there are other things we can do. Sometimes that even involves using other sources of income for several years, your 401ks, savings plans, things like that. Let Social Security lie another five, six years, seven years to make sure you can get the maximum out of that. So there are different ways to do this, but let's talk about it. This is something we do at Anderson Advisors. Call us at 888-371-2847. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show.